This is Clay from Skilled Gentleman Podcast. You're listening to Handgun World Podcast with Bob Main. Hi folks, I'm Bob Main, and welcome to another episode of the Handgun World Podcast. This is a practical show done by a practical guy. That's me. I'm not a firearms industry expert. I'm just an everyday guy taking my Second Amendment rights very seriously. So this show is sponsored by Concealment Solutions, makers of what I think are some of the finest holsters you can buy. I own several Concealment Solutions holsters and I mostly carry outside the waistband strong side in the Concealment Solutions Cobra and they also have I think a a Cobra version of their holster for um, very, very small guns, and, and, and they got them for large guns and everything. The uh, Inside the Waistband Black Mamba holders, Holster is also very popular. They sell mag holder, uh, horizontal mag carriers, and everything. Check them out, concealmentsolutions.com. The coupon code HANDGUNWORLD will give you a 10% discount at checkout. That's all one word, HANDGUNWORLD. A link will be in the show notes, and by the way, there's a link in the show notes for everything that I talk about on every episode, so my special guest coming up shortly, there'll be a link where you can learn about him and some of the things that he's involved with, um, and speaking of that, I got an interview with John Payne coming up very shortly, and we talk about bullet chess, and you just have to listen to the interview to find out what that means. Bullet chess. Uh, pretty interesting stuff that we had a chance to discuss recently. And I also want to make a special mention that a lot of you who listen to the show, you've been asking about classes and things that I teach or that Ben Branham teaches. And it looks like later this year, Ben and I are going to get back together and start teaching some classes again. So be listening to this show. Be Watching my Facebook feed, you can find me on Facebook at Handgun World Podcast. Um, we'll be maybe even doing some emails and things like that. But coming up in October or uh, or November, we're going to have two dates, October or November. We're going to be putting together a little bit different version. So for all of you who have graduated from our classes in the past, we're changing it up because you know what? The industry changes, techniques change, ideas change. We're open-minded people, and so we change along with the industry. So it's good to repeat training anyway. It's good to repeat training, but also it won't be just a repeat if you've come before of what you've learned before. We're going to have a lot of new things in there. The price will be right. More announcements will probably be made on that on the next episode, which is going to come out on August 1st. As you know, this show comes out on the 1st and 15th of every month, so the next one's going to be August 1st, which means that uh, the release date of this podcast is July 15th, 2019. 
Let me just also mention my email and my voicemail for those of you that want to leave comments. Email is handgunworld at gmail.com. That's handgunworld at gmail.com. Or you can call into the voicemail 210-646-1727. 210-646-1727. If you have been listening to this show for a while, you've probably heard a lot of listeners call into the voicemail. And I'll talk about each one that comes in and uh, try to keep it to about three minutes in length. Otherwise, it's going to cut you off. So most people can make their points in uh, three minutes or less. Would love to have you call. Once again, that number is 210-646-1727. So here it is. I spoke with John Payne. Well, for this episode, I got a special guest. Uh, he's been on this show many times. John Payne is back on the Handgun World podcast. Welcome back, John. Hello, Bob. It's a pleasure to be back. Yeah, it's been a while. It has been a while. I bet you, I, I don't remember the last time we did one of these. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's been within the last what year? It's probably been within about the last year, yeah. Well, update people. I get new listeners quite a bit, so update people what you're doing these days and and who you're working for. Well, my full-time job – wow, full-time job. I've got more than one, Bob. Uh, (laughs) My my full-time ordinary person job is I'm a deputy sheriff in southeast Texas. Uh, I'm a support division deputy. We uh, take care of fugitive transports. Uh, fugitive warrants. Uh, we also cover marine safety uh, training. Uh, we do uh, some juvenile work for the courts and for juvenile probation. Okay. Uh, it's. Uh, I'm not an old retired guy yet, Bob, but it's all. It, it's a. Uh, it's a. Uh, a slower pace sometimes. <laughs> That's a good uh, way to put it. Well, you know, in my line of work, uh, when you start approaching 50, you're kind of old for a cop. You know what? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, by the time you start hitting the later 40s and 50s, you've already got 20 years at least under your belt. Uh, Young man's game, I can tell you that. You're considered a senior. Am I? In, In the police world, you're a senior, aren't you? I guess. I, 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 you know, I, uh. I retired from the sheriff's office and uh, went into business for myself and uh, ended up uh, having a situation or an opportunity more uh, more aptly to say, more accurately to say, a situation where I uh, had a uh, an opportunity to go back. Uh, and uh, so I, I did lose my seniority, but yeah. uh, I, I picked back up the same position that I was in and uh, – um, you know, I'm a, I'm a, a, a T. Cole instructor and firearms instructor, and uh, I'm a, a you know, I've, I've got the sheepskin that says I'm a, a master peace officer in the state of Texas. Uh, a lot of that's having time and courses under your belt for the appropriate training hours and whatnot, uh, but it's still an achievement nonetheless. It is, uh, sure. So, you know, that's my primary job as, as, a, as a deputy sheriff, and... Uh, uh, work a lot with the courts. Uh, we we take care of bench warrants uh, for people that are incarcerated and still have charges to answer to, 
to get them to court. Uh, we uh, take care of getting uh, inmates that have been sentenced uh, to their final destination, so to speak, uh, with with uh, the Texas Department of Criminal Justice Institutional Division. Uh, we uh, we do warrant roundups with the with the Marshal Service. Uh, we uh, we do, and we. I think you saw here a while back, maybe on Facebook, we did a, a cops and kids picnic for for the local uh, kids, yeah. and we had a fantastic turnout for that. Uh, oh, that was for the kids. That was uh, cops and kids. Of course, cops and kids picnic. It's all about the kids. They get to see yeah. all of our gear and our cars, and uh, they have firemen come out. But you know, everyone's always happy to see a fireman. But oh, of uh, course. <laughs> Of course, not <laughs> no, always happy to see a cop, but they're no, happy not to see a fireman. <laughs> unless you really need one, but you know, there's always right. friendly rivalry between law enforcement and, and the firefighters, and and God bless them. They're uh, we we got to have them. There's some great guys. Uh, we do have to have the, them. Yes, some of the better shooters that I've known have been firefighters. Believe it or not, really, uh, and good cooks too. Oh, but, uh, that that's important. Hey, when yeah, when your main job is uh, sleeping and cooking, I, I guess that's a uh, Oh, oh man! You you had to go there. You had to get a little jab in there, didn't you, John? A friendly jab, a friendly jab. Uh, so, so some of my best buddies are firefighters, and you know, I'm proud to know them. Okay, uh, did, so uh, did you all... know why God created police officers? Why? Because firemen need heroes too. <laughs> Oh, my God. So to all my listeners, send the hate mail to john.pain at gmail.com, right? Well, maybe that's not a real address, but send it there anyway. It's, it's close enough. It's close enough. So, you know, Bob, I, I, uh, I've got that, and I have, uh, I'm the owner of uh, Ray's Pawn Shop in Bridge City, Texas, and, uh, and that was, that's, a, a, uh, that's my retirement job. Okay, good. Uh, and that that's a lot of fun. Uh, I, I deal. You got to see my shop here a while back. The last time we talked in person. Yes. And uh, so I've got a cool little shop. It's a, a gun shop and a pawn shop. And and uh, then of course I uh, I still teach for Gabe Suarez and Suarez International. I've been with them for man. I've been with them for nine years now, Bob. I thought it was I was going to say ten years. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, we're we're working on ten here real soon. Good uh, for you. That's awesome. And and uh, I've I've had a lot of success. Uh, all praise be to God for uh, for that. But I have a lot of good success with Suarez International. Uh, gone places and done things I've never dreamed of. And uh, then I also teach the uh, Texas License to Carry class. You know, I teach those uh, about 12 classes a year. I schedule about 10, and then the other ones are private sessions for, uh, you know, companies, uh, businesses, and whatnot that want their uh, their employees trained. Um, and uh, I, I really enjoy that. Uh, yeah. So, well, that kind of leads me into the first question I wanted to ask you. You know, I used to, uh, back way back when, not too long ago, but I used to teach the LTC classes, but I, I got out of that um, just because of some of the changes. And from what I understand, John, some of the changes kind of weren't so good, were they? Well, I really can't say they were all that bad. Um, it just it kind of changed the dynamic. And, How so? Uh, well... As the teacher uh, in in that in that realm, I really hate to use the word instructor, even though your technical title is a Texas licensed to carry instructor. 
but in a teaching fashion, it, you know, it's my job to impart the information to the student, and I really want to make sure that they understand what I'm telling them and put it in proper context. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah. Uh, we have a lot of discussions and lengthy discussions about use of force and deadly force, what constitutes deadly force. Um, because if you rely on the news to tell you what those things are, you're going to get incorrect or uh, often tainted, opinionated information that's just incorrect. That You're right about that. And, and, and so Texas decided to shorten the class uh, at, at one point. And I think even when you, maybe when you began teaching it, uh, the class was a minimum of 10 hours. It was. A maximum of 16 hours. That's correct. Okay. And so, I mean, 16 hours was a long time, and it was off. The way I saw it broken up was over two days. I only attended one class that was 16 hours. That was the first one I ever attended. I believe that was like September of 1995 uh, when it first became law that you could do that. Mm-hmm. I was in one of the first classes, and it was two eight-hour days. And it was it was, it was was a long time. I can That's tell you a that. long time, yes. And uh, – then uh, here a few years back, they changed the criteria, and they made the class a minimum of four hours long and a maximum of six hours long. Yes. Okay. Six hours in a classroom is a long time, Bob. Uh, yes, six hours is a long time, yes. But you know what they didn't tell you? What? That your range time was no longer class time. Okay. Okay. Um. You and I have taught classes together. You've been in classes that I've taught. Yes. Uh, and you've taught license to carry classes on your own. Yes. Often in license to carry classes, you are getting, uh, while they may not be brand new shooters, they're often inexperienced shooters. Correct. Would you not agree? Yeah, I would 100% agree. Yes. Okay. The license to carry qualification course is pretty straightforward. It's a total of 50 rounds. 20 rounds were shot at three yards, 20 rounds were shot at seven yards, and 10 rounds were shot at 15, 15 yards. 15 yards, yeah. In varying intervals, you have anywhere from one round, and you have two seconds for one round, uh, on up to 15 seconds for five rounds, depending on which string that you're working, if you recall. Yes. And there's no reloading under time. Uh, everyone gets to start from what I still call being pointed in, meaning you know, you've you've got your 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 shooting stance, you've got your grip, you've got your side alignment, sight picture, and your finger on the trigger. You're pointed in, and at that point, once everyone is pointed in, I'll say the line is set, and give the F word, Bob, the F word, fire. The F word, the four letter F word. Okay, fire. And, and what I tend to do, uh, I try to stay as consistent as I possibly can with my commands. You don't want anybody misunderstanding your commands. I'll tell them, uh, put five rounds in a magazine. Once everyone has five rounds in a magazine, you know, hold up your five-round magazine. Let me know you're ready. Everyone's got their magazine ready. Face down range, safely handle your pistol and load with five rounds. When I say load, that means to insert the magazine and load the chamber. Mm-hmm. Once everyone has that done, I will tell them, point in. And then I will tell them, you know, you have one round, one round only, one round, one round only. You have two seconds. The line is set. 
F word. An F word, yeah. 1001, 1002, watch my timer, ceasefire. And then you have to ensure that everyone got that round off because if they didn't get a round off or if they had a malfunction by state standards, that's a miss. That's called a miss, yes. Okay. And so uh, you're having to watch everyone, make sure they got their rounds off, make sure they didn't have a malfunction, making sure that they're not being careless with, your, with their muzzle making sure that their finger is only on the trigger when you tell them to have their finger on the trigger. And so I don't run more than five people at a time. Which is smart. And the reason I do that is so I can do my best to see everything. And so it's not unusual for me to take at least an hour, if not more, to get 10 people qualified and score their targets. Yeah. That's one of the reasons why I hold my classes to, to no more than 10 if I can possibly help it. Uh, because it when they reduce the class hours, the focus of your students is now, I want to be done in four hours. Yeah, because they think they think the total time is supposed to be four hours, right? Exactly. Yeah. And and so but even even with that, you know, they're constantly told it's a four-hour class. It's a four-hour class. If I start at eight, I want to be done at noon. And so you get into a time management predicament because you don't want the students to lose interest or, or get upset about how much time it takes. But I tell them ahead of time, look, the classroom portion itself is four hours long. Minimum. Minimum. That does not include your breaks. Breaks don't count as class time. Okay. And I try to give them 10 minutes every hour. Otherwise, they get restless or whatever else. You know, right. no one wants no one wants to have their rear end in a chair, you know, for two hours straight if they can help it. You don't want them getting tired. You don't want to get them sleepy. You want them to get the information that they paid to get, uh, whether they realize they need the information or not. And some of some, them don't care. Some of them don't care. They're just going through the steps. Right. And hey, if they pass the test, that's. I'm one of those folks that I believe in personal responsibility. If you decide you're going to carry a gun, then it's your responsibility to know what you're dealing with. I will give you what I'm required to give you. What you do with it, that's your business. Yes. Yes, you're going to give them what the state requires, the minimum state requirements. You know, and I try to, even though it's the minimum state requirements, I try to give them the information in, in bites that they can consume and understand. And, you know, people like you, I just want to insert this into this conversation. People like you, you're a very, very well-accomplished firearms trainer, and they're going to get much greater value from going to a John Payne LTC class or somebody with similar qualifications as they would, in my opinion, about 80% of the instructors out there. Well, well, thank you, Bob. That's very flattering. I... I uh... I put uh, a lot of work into my presentation. I uh, I draw from my own life experiences. Look, and no one wants to go to a class and listen to somebody's war stories. No, that's true. <laughs> okay. But if I can sit there and tell you of a scenario where this applied to what we're talking about, or I can pull a new story and show you this is where chapter nine is talking about using deadly force to prevent someone from using unlawful deadly force against you. Um, it helps you to understand exactly what I'm talking about. And do you think your experience as a law enforcement uh, is a plus? I do think it's a plus, especially when you get into the portion of the class 
on license to carry and law enforcement interaction because I've been on both sides of the badge as far as license to carry and law enforcement interaction. I've been the peace officer that has has interacted with somebody with a license to carry, and I've also been uh, a license to carry individual stopped by uh, uh, a state trooper outside of Brownwood, Texas, because I was going a little bit fast, Bob. Just a tad bit, huh? Just a tad. It was strictly an oversight on, on my part. It was not intentional. Um, but I handed the, the state trooper my uh, proof of financial responsibility. If for non-law enforcement types, that means insurance. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my driver's license. And at the time, my concealed handgun license. Uh-huh. And he looked at it and goes, oh, I've never seen one of those before. That tells you how long ago it was, Bob. Oh, Okay. Yeah, i never seen one of those before. <laughs> oh, man, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> that way, it but, had to uh, have been a while ago. It was a while ago, but he was in good humor, and uh, I, I walked away with, with a verbal warning, which I was very grateful for. Uh, I, I drove away with a with a, uh, a verbal warning, yeah, but it was away. his first time to uh, encounter a citizen that was uh, – Carrying a handgun. These days, that would probably be pretty rare for a law enforcement officer. Probably would. Probably would. I'll, I'll tell you, when I was working traffic, uh, it was uh, always a little bit comforting to me when, when I approached the vehicle and I got the required information from the driver and they handed me that license to carry. It was kind of like a, wow, I can... Uh, I can relax a little bit. This is somebody that's gone through the gone through the steps and the effort to show that they're a good guy. Yeah. Now, is that true a hundred percent of the time? Of course not. Uh, you know, but if uh, last time I checked, if you Google the the uh, the numbers on people that you know break the law and don't break the law and and have different issues, uh, especially in Texas. Uh, licensed carry holders are, you know, among the least of the offenders. I think that's nationwide. Uh, it, I'm sure it is. I'm sure yeah. it's nationwide. But we're talking about people that have taken the extra step to ensure that that what they're doing is lawful, and it, it means something to me. Uh, and, and you know, and you know uh, that even though it, it is kind of uh, against me making money, I'm I'm pro constitutional carry. Um, that's interesting that you say that. I'm glad you did. I, I'm glad you did. So how do you feel then? How do you feel about the class length being reduced? How did that sit with you? Uh, it, it didn't give me a lot of heartburn, Bob, but it, it does. It, it, it puts me into a time crunch because that's the, the biggest uh, obstacle that you have is getting all that information in. Uh, in a minimum of four hours, maximum six. Mm-hmm. Hey, I started my class this morning at eight o'clock sharp. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, and I usually have a representative of Texas Law Shield come in and give a little presentation as well, uh, and that counts against not my class time, but against the time that the students are spending in class. And so, on average, uh, a perfect day where the sky is blue. Uh, outside the classroom in the range, the beer is cold and all is well with the world. I, I average getting my students in their cars and out the gate by 2.30 if I start at 8 a.m. Okay, six and a okay. half hours. And and, uh, and today I went over by nine minutes. I was kind of disappointed in myself. Well, that's um, not bad. 
No, it's not bad. And I actually uh, I, I got a, a nice attaboy today because one of the students had taken this class uh, a few years ago. Not from me, but I, from who he took it from. Uh, it doesn't really matter at this point. But uh, when we took our test and we were done with the written test, he said, I, I just want you to know that uh, I got so much more out of this class than I did my last one because you explained uh, you explain, explained the difference between a burglary and a robbery. You explained what aggravated robbery is, what aggravated assault, aggravated sexual assault arson, theft during the nighttime, criminal mischief during the nighttime, what all that stuff means. And uh, it, it made a difference to him that he actually had an explanation on what these things were. Okay, good. So you, you gave him some extra benefit. I wouldn't call it extra because I think anybody that's teaching the curriculum should know what that information is. Well, but they don't. But some, well, it's not the necessarily that they may not know it, but yeah. they might assume that everybody else does. Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, but, I mean, but, have, but you ever talked, his... have you ever talked to somebody that has been quote unquote burgled? Uh, and I love that term. It reminds me of McDonald's. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they 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 use the term. I was robbed. Oh, really? Uh, what happened? Well, I came home and my front door was kicked in, and I'll, well, you weren't robbed. You were. Burgled. Burgled. Now in Texas, we'll say burglarized, but that really isn't a word. And, you know, words mean things, as you well know. Yes. And uh, one of the guys I like to listen to in the morning, so I'll give it a plug for uh, uh, Michael Berry, the czar of talk radio. Yeah. You know, he, uh, he's like from it. the Orange area. He's from Orange initially. He was a uh, former mayor pro tem of, uh, of Houston and a very entertaining uh, talk show host. Uh, he also has his own restaurant and club. He's he's a neat guy. Um, we know a bunch of the same people. I don't think I've ever met Michael face to face, but we share friends. Believe it or not, okay. And his his, his show's amazing. But yeah, he's yeah he's actually a uh, I guess a lawyer by trade. Uh, and uh, that's one of the things he brought up on his show is that the proper terminology is is burgled. The past tense of a burglary. Didn't know that. So yeah, and once you hear him sound on the radio, it cuts it it sounds it sounds cute. So I, I don't forget it, you know. But uh anyway, they don't know the difference between a robbery and a burglary. And they a, don't know the difference between a theft and a robbery. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a common it's a common thing for people to say, I've been robbed. I mean that's just kind of nomenclature that has seemed to take and hold in people's uh People's vocabulary, you know? Oh, very much so. Kind of like calling a magazine a clip, Bob. Yeah, calling a magazine a clip, right. Yep. <laughs> yep, yep, I know. I so know. It, it has created challenges. The challenges that it created uh, is is trying to keep the students happy with the timeline and keep the class moving along while making sure they get the information that they need. You know, I'm glad you brought that up. Now, let's uh, let's go backwards just a little bit, and then we'll get into – I know we're going to talk about some force on force. But you mentioned about five minutes ago that that you are pro-constitutional, carry, even though you uh, still do pretty well teaching license to carry. Why are you still pro-constitutional, carry? Well, the reason I'm pro-constitutional, carry is, once again, I believe in personal responsibility. And I feel like any person that is legal to possess that firearm, 
should be able to carry it openly or concealed with with or without a license to carry. I agree. Okay. Um, and as, as you well know, while the license to carry course is a class, I wouldn't necessarily call it training. It's definitely in, not in, training. In the, in no. the, well, not in the broad sense of the term. Are they receiving some training? Yes. They're being introduced to Chapter 9 of the Texas Penal Code. They're being introduced to uh, Chapter 411 of the Government Code. They're being introduced to Chapter 46 of the Penal Code. But that's just it. They're being introduced to that information. They're being educated and introduced, yes. Okay. I would so say they're, they're being so, educated but not trained, and there's a difference. So it's not firearms training. Right. They are receiving some training in the legal aspects, but even that, it just scratches the surface. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I give them references to find the additional material. Uh, one of the things that I mean, I don't mean to, to to give a free advertisement for Texas Law Shield, U.S. Law Shield, but you know their um, their book, and I know you've seen it, uh, Armed and Educated. Mm-hmm. Yes. That book is so thorough that I used to carry it in my patrol bag, and I've got one of the original copies where I had all of the program attorneys that were authors sign it. That thing has got underlined. It it's been highlighted. It's got some miles. It's on got it, huh? page tabs. <laughs> it's got post-it notes. You know, it, it's it's like a bible for someone that needs information on gun laws. And I would keep it in my patrol bag. Yeah, well, and that's good. So you, I have heard people, not you. I've heard other people say that. Uh, well, you know, if we had constitutional carry, then you'd have a lot of untrained people out there that are not responsible carrying guns. And that just that just has not seemed to be an issue anywhere that there's constitutional carry. Well, again, going back to personal responsibility, um, if you are going to carry a gun, uh, a firearm, a handgun, for self-defense, for defense of your family, defense of your property in certain circumstances. I realize not every state can you use deadly force to protect property, but there are uh, times in Texas when you can use deadly force to protect property, yes, there are. which not all 50 states are that way. I understand that. But if you're taking that responsibility on yourself and you have any amount of common sense, then you're going to know that there's things that I need to know to keep myself from getting in trouble. Right. Um, and I've heard the adage, if common sense were common, everyone would have it. Okay. Yeah, I've and, heard it. And some okay. people say common sense ain't so common. I've heard that too. Yeah. But at the same time, when someone is taking the steps to protect themselves, I would like to give them the benefit of the doubt that they are going to seek out the information education that they need. You, even if you go through the license to carry class, you can only pay attention to what I say and pass your test. Uh, you know, minimum passing score out of 70. And the test is what you used to call multiple guess. It's either true, false, or multiple choice. It's not a hard test. I've never had anybody. I've been teaching this class for nine years now. I've never had anyone fail that test. I've had a gentleman that could not read mm-hmm. that I knew but Someone called me beforehand and told me, hey, this is so-and-so. He's you know, he's my dad, and he'll play it off, but he can't read. He can sign his name, but he can't read. Uh-huh. 
I said, okay, it's not a problem. I'm not taking care of it. He passed, right? Well, yes, because after everyone was done, and I had them heading to go get their stuff ready, I had him by himself, nobody else in the room, and writing the questions, writing the answers, and he made 100%. Yeah, and I'm glad that you brought up that example, and I'm glad you brought up this point, John, because a lot of people, they say, well, you know, training should not be required to carry a gun, and... And I agree that the government should not require it, but then they go on to say, because some people will not be able to pass. And you kind of, you kind of have uh, explained that that's just really not the case, is it? Yeah, th- this is not a hard test to pass, uh, even though it was created by the DPS. But <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah, well, I've got some good buddies that are troopers too. <laughs> now, if I can't if I can't poke fun at my friends, who can you poke fun at, right? Exactly. Um, but what I'm telling you is is they can go through the motions and pass the test. If you have ran qualifications for license to carry, yes. minimum passing scores are 175, 175 out of a possible out of a possible 250. Yes. Okay. They have to score 70. percent Instructors have to have to shoot a 225, which is 80. Mm-hmm. percent and they have to shoot it with both a revolver and a semi-automatic. And that's correct, yes. Okay. Is that a challenge to you, Bob, to, to shoot a two twenty five with a semi-automatic or a revolver? Not really. No, it really isn't. No, no. Okay. So what I'm telling you is someone can go through the motions and pass both the written test and pass a qualification and not be any smarter than when they before they came to the door. And correct me if I'm wrong, John, if I if my memory serves me correctly, a student, not an instructor, a student who takes the shooting test, if they missed uh, almost all of their shots from 15 yards, they'd probably still pass if they got them all in at 3 and at 7, right? Let me explain something to you, Bob. Yeah. When I work with these folks and explain to them about their grip, side alignment, sight picture, yeah. trigger press, follow through, trigger reset, all that jazz. Uh-huh. My most of my students, before we move the targets to 15 yards, have already scored. They've already 200. passed. They've already passed. They've yeah. already passed. Yeah, yeah. That's that was the point I was trying to make. Yeah. So, really, I mean, all they have to do is just simply pay attention. All they have to do is pay attention for half a day. Yeah. So, what the naysayers are trying to say is. This makes them better off than not seeking out the information on their own. Yeah, and I kind of, I, you know, I've thought about that for a long time, and I, I really do think that a person is better off than seeking the information out on their own, especially if they run into a John Payne that gives them the kind of instruction that that is better than most. Well, I appreciate you saying better than most. I don't think I'm all that special, but I do try hard. Well, and the thing is, I I, I have witnessed some very bad license to carry classes, and I've witnessed some very good ones, and I like to think that when I was doing them, I also gave some students some pretty good value, but I've seen some pretty bad ones out there, and I can understand how some people would look at that and say, well, maybe this really isn't all that necessary because this this guy teaching this is a joker. Well, and not just a joker, but, I mean, they they meet the minimum requirements. Yeah. 
the, you know, one of the times, because I've I had to take the class myself more than once. Um, you know, I took it early on when it first passed, mm-hmm. and that instructor, the classroom portion, he read out of a book. Mm-hmm. Um, that must have sucked. It it wasn't the most enjoyable experience of my life. Yeah, I've taken it twice also. Uh, uh, and then, um, I took it right before I, uh, left that municipal police department because I knew I was, I was going to be going on to other things and didn't think I was going to be, uh, in law enforcement for a while. And I'd let it lapse because I didn't think that I needed it in law enforcement. So, uh, I called up a guy and said, Hey, you know, uh, do you have an opening on this day? Well, no, not really. I said, look, I'm, I'm a police officer right now. Um, I need to get my license to carry. And at the time you couldn't just sit in a letter and get your license to carry as a police officer. You had to take the class like everybody else qualify mm-hmm. like everybody else. Okay. Uh, there was one option of department letterhead or whatever, but my feelings were that, you know, my chief was none of his business, mm-hmm. uh, or any administrator for that matter. It was none of their business. If I, I didn't need their letterhead to go get my license to carry, that was my personal business. You know what I mean? Yes. So, and this guy, uh, it was a solid uh, eight and a half, nine hours of reading out of a book. And I thought Oof. to myself, you know what? Uh, if I ever do this, you know, and then I turn around and I guess it was 2009, uh, I went ahead and went to the license to carry instructor school, which at that time was concealed handgun license instructor school. Mm-hmm. That was Five days in, in Georgetown, my old, my old hometown, so to speak, or kind of hometown. That's where I graduated high school. I'm, but, you know, I'm, I'm from the uh, from Fruit City, from Orange. From Orange. <laughs> but uh, yeah. anyway, I, you know, uh, I graduated high school in Georgetown, so I got to go back to Georgetown, stay with some friends. And the class was all uh, there at uh, San Gabriel Park mm-hmm. in, the, uh, in one of their little centers there. And I'm telling you, I uh, – I tried to slip my wrist with a freaking paperclip, and it was I just all of the 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 drawn out. Yeah, but what ifs? Every day when everyone else would go to lunch, I'd go down to the river and fish and decompress for a while before yeah, I had to go back. I can't blame you. I think when I took the instructor class, it was three days. Yeah, this was like a uh, I want to say it was a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and thursday and then friday you met in florence at the range yeah and uh and yeah i mean the the instructor uh he he did a really good job but you you had a hundred people in that classroom had screens on both sides everyone's facing one direction or the other half the class is facing the front half the class is facing the back with screens on both sides and it it was rough bob it was rough (laughs) you know what interesting story and then we'll move on to the next subject when i took the instructor class and we were on the range doing the shooting portion these are people learning to be instructors or getting getting certified to be instructors yes sir put it that way one guy had a malfunction and all of a sudden he throws his hand up in the air and raises his hand and stands there (laughs) stands there with a malfunction in his pistol like uh what do i do and you know i mean I can understand a student who has really never shot much before, but these are people that were getting qualified to be instructors. You know, I think I may have told you about this, but the the coach that was on, you know, we you had several coaches online for safety, and then you had a range master calling commands. Well, the coach standing behind me is watching me shoot, 
you know, I'm not the best shot in the world, but I, I can hold my own. And uh, he starts looking at me like, what do you do for a living? <laughs> I said, uh, well, up until now, I was a cop. He goes, I've never seen someone shoot like that because I was just eating the tin ring out of that target. Yeah. <laughs> and with, with, with my, well, you shot my Model 19. I let you keep that for a while. If you oh, recall. yeah. That was. Uh, but my old school Smith and Wesson Model 19, four inch. Uh, but uh, I with, used it, with, if you remember, I uh, yeah. used it in the instructor class. That's why you got to borrow it. There, you, yeah. had a, you had to be a special person for me a to special, allow you to do thank that. Thank you very much, John. I did not own a revolver at the time, and so I borrowed your uh, Smith & Wesson Model 19 for the revolver portion of it. But it was so funny. He was like, with both handguns. You, I was like, yeah, it's, it's not like this is all that stressful because you look real familiar. I said, well, where all have you been? Well, where did you work? I said, I worked in Bridge City. I remember you from the hurricane. Yeah, that's where we met. Yeah. <laughs> we were both out there with traffic control points monitoring. You know, we, the whole city was shut down. It was a, it was a nightmare. But anyway, my coach, we worked together on the job, so it was kind of funny. But, uh, yeah, I saw some nightmares. Uh, with other instructors trying to qualify with some of the, the firearms they brought to try to qualify with. Uh, yeah. it, it was just uh, absolutely amazing. And I have um, to say, your Smith & Wesson Model 19, that trigger is so sweet. I actually shot, I shot as well or maybe even slightly better with that than I did with my Glock 19. Well, it's about three feet away from me right now in my safe. I'm sitting in my office while I talk to you, my, my home <laughs> office. And, uh, and that bad boy's not going anywhere. And, and when I'm no longer on this earth, my son will have it. I think I remember even offering to buy it from you. And it was a very quick, <laughs> you did it, it was a very quick I, no, 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 Bob, I'm not going to be selling it. <laughs> no, no, it, it, it will never be for sale. It actually belonged to a friend of mine that was a judge. He has since passed away. And uh, so it's got a little history behind it. The judge used to carry it under his uh, his judge's robes, whatever you call those things. Oh, let's call it judge's robes. And uh, yeah. he decided it was too big and too heavy and wanted me to help him select something that was uh, easier for him to carry that uh, that he wouldn't not carry because he was uncomfortable or it was weighing down his clothes. And he was a, he was kind of a snazzy dresser. So we helped him out and, and he sold that to me at a phenomenal price and. Uh, I, I told him now that I've got it, I'll, I'll, I'll never sell it, and I'm going to keep my promise. You'll give it a very good home, and you have. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so, you know, just like anything else, Bob, not every license to carry instructor is the same. Not every instructor has the same level of experience. I hope that I bring something unique to what I do in that regard, uh, but I by no means think I'm better than anybody else. Well, I appreciate your humility, and uh, well, this was a good discussion about the license to carry, so let's shift gears a little bit, and well, fixing to go into overdrive. Let's shift a lot. Let's shift gears a lot and go into overdrive here. So you recently taught a force-on-force force class for Suarez International. Yes, I and, did. And uh, some people may not know exactly what force on force is or they might think that they know what force on force is why don't you explain that to to them a little bit force on force is taking the information that you may have learned from us for instance in uh, crg1 uh, close range gun fighting level one crg2 
the intermediate course, or uh, even CRG3, advanced close-range gunfighting, is taking the information that you uh, learned from, from those courses, the skill sets and, and the tactics, and using them against a live opponent. Mm-hmm. Now, um, what is the is it a, a Latin term or a Spanish term in Ferro Veritas? You know what I'm talking about, Bob? Uh, yeah, I think that's a Latin steel, term. Steel, sharpened steel? I think that's a Latin term. I believe I it is. Uh, yeah, I, I, I hate to, to, to be you know, incorrect. You know, yeah, uh, me too. It's something that I've used so much, I kind of internalized. I believe it is it's Latin. Somebody but will it, correct it, us it if we're like, wrong. Uh, in steel, there is truth. Does that, does that sound right, Bob? I think so. The, and I think there's a Bible that mentions steel, sharpened steel. It is. It's in the Bible. Okay. Yes. And in Federal Veritas, I believe, is, uh, and you watch Gabe call me and say, you moron, That's, <laughs> and still there is truth. All right, Gabe, I got it. <laughs> My bad, as I was. Uh, but uh, the idea here is, um, you know, you just can't go out on the street and uh, generally test what you've been doing on a daily basis in gunfights. Excuse me for a minute. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen: As iron sharp sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Very much so. Yes. Okay. Go ahead. So, uh, you just—it's not a situation, uh, a daily thing, where you're going to get to go out and test your skills against bad guys. Yeah. You can go your whole life and never have to draw your firearm in defense of yourself, and hopefully, that's how everyone's life goes. However, if I'm in a situation where I can make a difference in stopping someone from taking lives, I don't think I'm going to feel bad about it. Yeah, I agree. Okay? Uh, it's just not how I'm wired. Uh, it's, it's not how I, uh, I see myself. And I don't care what anybody says. I don't really give a rat's behind what somebody thinks about me. What's more important to me is what do I feel, what do I think about me, and what I've done. Good point. Because at the end of the day, besides God, the only person I answer to, and the only person that wonders about what I've done and how I've done it, is me. Uh-huh. Okay? Uh-huh. Um, so, it's not something that you can go out there and just, you know, get in multiple gunfights on a daily basis and, and test your training. No, can't do that. Okay. And you can only do so much on a square range. Well, that's, what did Bruce Lee say in Air of the Dragon? Boards don't hit back? Uh, that's I think something like that, yeah. I, I believe that's something that he said. You know, And Bruce Lee was a heck of an innovator. Uh, I know that he was an actor, but he was a heck of martial arts and innovator, and you know, they're still uh, using his methodology and his, his uh, concepts to continue people's training. So we began to look at how can you test your skill level? How can you test your tactics and still be able to enjoy lunch? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, the answer is force on force. You are going up against a live opponent, and both of you are using, whether it be some type of Sims, uh, you know, you've got the green gas airsoft, you've got CO2 airsoft, you have stuff such as, you know, Simunitions. People tend to use simunitions as a label to cover it all, but simunitions as an individual brand. You have my favorite, which is the UTM, mm-hmm. um, and the UTM conversions that allow you to use a live pistol with live round lockout 
and you get a little bit of recoil, you get a little bit of muzzle blast. Uh, the pain penalty is about the same as airsoft. Sometimes airsoft can be a little bit harder, in my opinion, but uh, it allows you to test your skills against a live opponent and nobody gets seriously hurt. If you follow the proper guidelines and you use the proper safety protocols and you use the proper gear. And I think it's one of the few methods that you can, one of the few classes you can ever take that allows you to test the skills and see what you know. And I was very surprised how much I didn't know or how much I could not do. Yeah, you did one of uh, the first force-on-force classes that I did in Orange. I, I had yeah. done them in Houston and other areas. You did one of the first ones that I did in Orange. It's a humbling ex- Yeah, it's a humbling it experience. Is, you have to leave your ego back in the car. Yeah. It's so, important that you have an ego. It really is. People think, well, that guy's got, a, you know, he just thinks so much of himself. No, it's important that you have an ego. You have a, you know, your self worth, uh, how you view view yourself. That, that, that is important. Okay, yeah. I, I I never want to view myself as a loser. And even if I lose something, doesn't mean I'm going to lose that again. It, you know, if it's something I can learn from, then uh, yeah. If we go at it again, I bet you I don't make the same mistake twice. You know what I'm saying? If I have that opportunity. Well, hopefully um, not. In fact, that's what training is. Training but when, is- it come, when it comes to force-on-force, force, once you get out there on, on the playing field, you have to leave your ego behind. Yeah. What do you find are the biggest eye-openers that people have when they, when they take force-on-force? Force? What you taught me in CRG2 works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Getting off the X, it works. It works. Dynamic movement. It works. Mm-hmm. Metal and meat shooting. It works. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because you're not just punching paper now. You're shooting at somebody that's shooting at you. Yeah. yeah. And, you and know, they're moving. As, as we talk, even in CRG2, we talk about the importance that it, it's more important not to get shot than it is to place ballistic effect on a bad guy. Your first job is don't get shot. And, you know, John, amazing words of wisdom. Uh, people do not teach that enough, that your first job is to not get shot. It's to avoid being shot because well, that's, that's, that's not my wisdom, can... brother. That's, that's Gabe's wisdom. Yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of the stuff, I, I realize that all the staff instructors and Gabe, we've all worked on this stuff together. We've had epiphanies together. But, I mean, let's give credit where credit is due. And he'll say the same thing. He, you know, one of his books, you know, man does not give birth to himself. You yeah. have to give credit where credit is due. Yeah, he didn't really, that's not really original to him either, but he gives credit. Correct. Exactly. So, um, the, the, those are the type of things that you hear. Um, you, you hear, uh, well, you know, this was reactive and I, I never saw my sights. That's it. I saw the bad guy. I drove my pistol out to my focal point and I began mashing the crap out of that trigger, putting rounds on target. You know, uh, that's an interesting you, comment right there. I never well, saw Well, they also sights. talk about their gear. You talk about a great place to test your carry gear. Doesn't get any better than that, does it? No, it does not. Especially when you had someone, oh, yeah, I've practiced clearing a closed front garment i've practiced from strong side i've practiced from appendix and uh when pressed under attack your draw got fouled didn't it 
Mm, yeah. You got tied up in your in your uh, cover garment, or you know we've trained on not backpedaling, and wow, you ended up on your butt. Yeah, I think you recall some of that. Uh, yeah, because uh, I, I you know, my buddy Cohen, that you know my uh, my comic relief uh, Cohen, uh, he is he's fast. He's he, also I, good I know comic you and I both too. have seen competition <laughs> shooters and all this stuff. When it comes to getting to a fight and fighting with a gun, that man is fast. Yep. Yeah, he is. Colin is fast. And I, I've ended up on my butt and back a couple of times in that class. I remember. It teaches you real quick the value of turning your toes in the direction you want to go, doesn't it? Yes, it does. You know, I had a discussion on another forum here a few days ago. They're talking about dynamic movement. And someone said, well, yeah, you duck walk, you crouch. I'm like, dude, that's not dynamic. There's nothing dynamic about a duck walk. There's nothing dynamic about a crouch. There's a time and a place for some of that. Don't get me wrong, but it's not the reactive engagement. Yeah. And that's what I, people have a hard time separating is the proactive fight from the reactive fight. Uh-huh. Reactive fight, you are minding your business, and all of a sudden you've got a problem, which is the scenario for most licensed carry holders. They didn't go into the IHOP to get their rooty tooty fresh and fruity, expecting to get into a gunfight. Yeah, well, most of the time, you know, people don't expect they to did, get into gunfights. Exactly. They didn't go to the ATM over by the the you know the Crystal Palace Theater expecting to be robbed. Nope. You know, I don't put on my seatbelt expecting to get into a crash. Nope. It's a just in case. Just in case. And, you know, what we deal with a lot is the reactive gunfight. In law enforcement, we deal a lot with the proactive. We know we've got a problem that we are responding to. And when I'm on my way, I'm going through every scenario I've ever experienced so that when I get on scene, I don't have to think about what I'm going to do. I'm already doing it. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense, but a self-defense uh, uh, gun use is usually not like that. You know, so the, the, the first thing that we began teaching people is your fast draw is not going to save you. Yeah, that's right. That you can be half a second faster than me, Bob, and if we're 10 feet apart, we're both getting shot. Yep. You know, we, uh, it's, we call it the Marshall Dillon drill. From I mean, I know some of your listeners have never watched Gunsmoke, and if that's the case, we can't be friends. But <laughs> you could probably you find know. it somewhere. <laughs> you could find you know, it. Opening scenes of Gunsmoke, you know, yeah. Marshall Dillon, uh, you know, in the center of town, center, center of the road, and, you know, high noon. Yeah. You know, your fast draw is not going to save you. It's a myth. Um, Don't you, and it's interesting how so many people you see them everywhere YouTube competition and everything they're just so concerned about how they're going to get that sub one second draw. Well, you know, and you know what? That's really cool. It it's is cool. I'm, I'm it is lie. cool. I, mean, I actually got to the point to where at one point in my career I had a sub one second draw from a threat level three holster. Wow. Okay. That's good. Okay. I would, you know, I would do. A hundred presentations before I left the house. But that's every not going to. That's not necessarily going to save you, though. Your tactics also will. No. Will be. But my my thing was, I was using a threat level three holster. 
I better know how that thing works without thinking about it. Now, that's true. Yes, that's true. And it was one of the best ones I could find at the time. And it was other experienced riders and police officers that were carrying. It was the Safariland SS3. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, threadable three holster that I used for my 1911 because, you know, I was raised in the era where if you were really a gun guy, you needed to carry 1911. Otherwise you were just an amateur. Remember? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You were just, yep. You were nobody if you did. And and I still love 1911. So I'm not going to lie, but, uh, you know, that was my duty weapon, full size government model, 1911. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so I, I spent a lot of time working with that holster. Sub-second draw stroke, was it really that important? Not really. Did it make me really smooth at getting that pistol out of the holster? Yeah, it did, and without having to think about it, where it just became second nature. Um, But what do you mean that's that's not going to save you? What do you mean by that? Because if you're standing in place, the same place you were when the muzzle comes on you, you're still going to be there when the bullet hits you in the chest. That's right, yep. (laughs) You You have to do something to change the input of that bad guy, the input that he's getting, you have to change the dynamic between his muzzle and your face. And you have to get out of the path of that bullet. Right. There's really, there's, you know, when we talk about getting off the X, Bob, there's two X's. There's the X where you're standing and there's the X on the center of your chest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Gotta get offline. Okay. And, the reality of the situation is, is a, and we've talked about this before about the OODA loop. Yes. You know, observe, have. or decide, and act. Didn't create that either. It was what an Air Force flight surgeon slash fighter pilot that was, um, was it Colonel Boyd? Was that his name? I, I, I'm probably going to get it wrong again. It, guys, know. in the comments, if I got it wrong, feel free to correct me. I'll go back after the show is over and, and re-educate myself because at the moment I'm, I'm not exactly sure. But I know what it was about. It was about fighter pilots getting on their sights, on their heads-up display, and putting rounds on enemy planes. Okay. Okay. And the, the process to get that done is called the OODA loop. Observe, orient, decide, and act. Even to reach up and to grab a, a cup of water off of your desk requires you to observe, orient, decide, and act. Yeah. It yes. takes an average of a quarter of a second from that message to get from your brain to your, fi- excuse me, to your fingertips. Okay. Okay. So if you can get offline, if you can change the dynamic, if you can change what the bad guy is seeing, that's a quarter of a second that you have to change that while you are putting ballistic effect on the threat. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Um, you know, and Gabe has talked to you about his gunfight in Santa Monica. Yes. Okay. So you know how this came about. Uh, other listeners can, can Google the information, uh, read it on warrior talk, what have you. I mean, we, we could do another whole podcast. Maybe much better to be done with Gabe because, you know, he was the one that was there, but you know, I, I, I've sat there with a the man breaking bread and we've had this discussion. He's taken me to the parking lot where it occurred. We had a contract, you know, several years ago in California that he was able to take me and show me exactly where it happened, how it happened, all that jazz. And the first thing that he talked about was when the get bad guy began thrusting the, the muzzle towards him, he was like, I don't want to be right here. Right. 
Yeah, you don't want to be in that path. And so the bad guy and the information that he had in his mind, by the time he got on that trigger, Gabe wasn't there anymore. Now the bad guy's having to play catch up. And that's the whole idea of dynamic movement and getting off the X. Yeah. And and then it progresses from there. But that's the most important part of it, I think. I, I, I do. And just to reinforce that you can make them miss. Yeah. That's- you can change that dynamic. And it's tough to hit a moving target with a pistol. It's much harder than it is a stationary target. Very difficult. Anybody that's ever done any competition shooting will tell you that. They'll they'll know how hard it is to hit a moving target with a pistol, with a handgun. It's hard. You know, and here's the difference between competition and force on force. Because, yeah. you know, I'm pro competition, too. Anytime when you can shoot under stress, I think is good. Mm, yeah, I think okay. so, too. I agree. But in competition, you can game the playing field. Mm-hmm. You can take shortcuts on the playing field that while you stay within the rules, you're using the rules to your advantage. Well, not only that in competition, you always get a stage explanation ahead of time. And many times you even get a walkthrough or you get to play the whole thing out in your mind, which neither one of those, you're not going to get a stage explanation in a real gunfight and you're probably not going to get a walkthrough or get a chance to play it out in your mind either. No, no. But again, like I said, any time that you get to shoot under stress, and I don't care if it's you're trying to beat your own best personal score, if you're yeah. under stress because people are watching you, doesn't matter. Any That's stressor good. that you add while you while you are, are doing that, to me, is a good thing. It is. But the gun games are like bullet chess. Oh, that's okay? interesting. Bullet chess, okay. Because you're using strategy and using the rules to your advantage. You're using just enough cover to stay within the rules. You're you know moving this way just enough to stay within the rules. Uh, it's almost like, well, okay, I know what the rules are. I'm going to go as close as I can to breaking the rules without breaking them to be as fast as I possibly can. Yeah. Okay? That's fine. I understand that. In Force on Force, you don't get to do that. No. If that makes sense. Bullet chess. That's a... I like that term. (laughs) You have a live opponent that is moving against you. Mm -hmm. Now, in Force on Force, we have a script we have to stick with because we have a certain uh, what artificiality about it because Mm. you know, hey, we both have green gas guns. We both have UTM guns, what have you. Uh, We know we're going to have some type of engagement. Mm -hmm. Okay, So you have to have, especially for the bad guy, we have a script, and it's super important that you stick to the script so that you have that element of surprise, you you have that uh, ability for the good guy to win. Uh huh. Yeah. If you cannot allow the good guy to win by falling to the script, if you're one of those people that you always have to win, you're going to be a sorry partner in force on force. Yeah. 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 That's true. That's true. Because there has to be there has to be a learning experience between both people. And like I said, leaving the ego 
at the door, so to speak. Um, there's no room for it. You have to be, when you're the good guy, you know, you've got certain input. This is, you know, a scenario we're going to work. If you're the bad guy, hey, this, this is what we're doing. These are the rules. You can do this if he does that. You can do this if he does this, so on and so forth. If he does everything right, just say for happenstance, if he does everything right, then you'll go ahead and surrender without reaching for your gun. Mm -hmm. If he does this, this, or this wrong, then take advantage of, of, of when he screws up. Yeah. Okay. And it's the same thing. We, you know, now we're doing a lot of force on force in law enforcement. And we've got a bunch of folks that have never done it before. And we had some folks, uh, you know, won't name any agencies or any areas, but, you know, they were very apprehensive about being shot with, with, with these, uh, you know, man marking rounds. I'm sure it's they scary. were. <laughs> I'm sure they were. Yeah. <laughs> it's no you know, fun. And nobody, likes, and, no, and nobody likes to lose. No, no. That's the thing. That's why when you said in the very beginning of this, you got to keep your ego uh, somewhere else. You do, you do, but it, it is so rewarding. I wish that more people would take advantage of the force on force classes. I've done you know, my most popular course. I would say would be uh, the zero to five feet gunfighting. Yeah, that's the one I took. It's a good course. And, yeah, and you know, we we had like twenty seven people in that class. Yeah, we had a lot, which is really a big class. But in force on force, that's an advantage. Yes, I, it is. I, you know, I, I I close off enrollments at fifteen or or sixteen. For live fire classes, because once again, I need to make sure I can see what everyone's doing. I want everyone to get the information that I'm supposed to be giving them, and I want everything to be done in a you know a timely manner. You know, minimize the bunny trails, get get things going the direction they need to be going, and everyone to have a good experience. And if the class is too big, sometimes you have a problem with that. Yeah, yeah. Well, we okay. got five got five minutes, John. Let's um let's try to wrap it up in about four or five minutes. But with the force on force. The more partners you have, the more people you have for scenarios, uh, the, the more that you can do and the less, uh, the less you get, quote unquote, beat up. Um, now, Bob, if I was to ask you, what are the negatives about attending a force on force class? Uh, I would say one negative is it's more physical than probably any other class you'll go to. So there, okay. there's there's a physical element to it. Now you're speaking about the zero to five uh, gunfighting class. Well, but now even that, but it, even now, that yeah. does have you know that does have some combatives, but it's very controlled. But you're right, it's more physical than a strictly shooting class. Well, and even a regular force on force, you know, there's more movement, much more movement than many there people is. are probably used to. So what else do you think would scare someone off from force on force? Somebody pointing a gun at you. Okay. Uh, what the about fact, you don't get to shoot the little tiny self-gratifying groups on paper? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The self-gratification is almost non-existent in Force on Force. The the, the self-gratification, the instant uh, feel-good is not there. Not really there. The other thing that I find is people are afraid of being shot with the... Uh, with the Sims, whether yeah. it be Airsoft or uh, UTM or Sims, you know, yeah. Sims um, there is there is a slight discomfort or pain penalty uh, 
when you screw up. Well, yes, there's a pain penalty when you screw up, and it's a natural it's a natural reaction to be afraid of being shot with something. You know, and it's uh, and it's not horrible. And once they they get over the the initial what we call the inoculation through the Marshall Dillon drill, yeah. uh, it, it tends to 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 uh, ease some of those fears. Um, but th- I'm telling you, in my opinion, there is no more rewarding training than going to force on force. No, and, and not. you know, and there's a difference between drills and scenarios. They're not the same thing. No, no, they're not. Yeah, you know, the, the, the drills are, are are to get you to use get you used to doing certain things to inoculate you against the you know you're, you're wearing protective gear you're wearing masks uh, you know it, it's it gets you used to doing certain things the scenarios are are where we're building life like circumstances where you're going to be faced with with either using skills that you've learned in those drills or you handled yourself in such a manner that it never went that far. Yeah. There are, there are, there are scenarios that I've run where someone's never fired a shot. Okay. That's interesting, but they still learned a lot. Well, yes. You know, especially they did everything right and then had to fire a shot. Holy cow. It, you know, it, you know, well, why didn't you draw? Because you know, for the bad guy, why didn't, why didn't you engage him? Because I, I was in a no-win situation. Yeah, I like it when bad guys are in a no-win situation. That's the best scenario for the bad guys to be in a no-win situation. Yep. It's a good stopping point, John. Um, talk about, real quick, your next force-on-force force class or when you're planning on having one. I won't have another 0-5 to five until uh, 2020. My next Swords International class is going to be Kalishnikov Rifle Gunfighting in Houston, Texas, Ooh, October AK. 26th and 27th. AK, October 26th and 27th. It is going right. to be John Payne's birthday AK bash. Hey, all right. All right. Happy I birthday hit the, in advance. Thanks, Bob. I hit the big 5-0 October 27th. Oh. And I thought, what better way to spend my birthday than... Training the AK. And you're going to be officially middle-aged. Really, Bob? <laughs> I have experience um, okay, with that. Okay, <laughs> let, me, let me tell you this. People say that 50 is middle-aged. Well, I didn't say old. I said middle-aged. I know. <laughs> Here's my contention. How many people do you know that are 100? Nobody. There you go. So it ain't middle-aged. <laughs> it ain't middle-aged. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But that's what we call it. It's just a nice way of saying, you know, close to a senior. I'll tell you what. Uh, today's 50 is yesteryear's 30. That's right. That's but you right. know what? Today's midnight for me is 9.30 p.m., baby. Amen. <laughs> I like getting my eight hours. So 26th and 27th. Uh, they of can, October. They can go to SuarezInternational.com. SuarezInternational.com and sign up for that class. We've already got a good crew. Uh, I've got room, I think, for about seven or eight more, and we'll close that one out. And how does somebody find your LTC classes? They can uh, just Google John Payne, License to Carry, or LTC. They can uh, go to PayneDefenseAcademy.com. I've got my own website. They can enroll for the class online. They can visit me at Ray's Pawn Shop, where I can help them select a uh, firearm of their choosing. I never pick a gun for somebody, but I can help them make decisions 
uh, informed decisions and tell them uh, about what they may like or not like with different platforms. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are a blue label Glock dealer at Ray's Pawn Shop, which means that we have you know, first responder discounts on uh, Glock pistols. We are a sub-distributor of GTs. Okay. Um, and uh, I'm in the shop every Saturday that I'm not teaching, and my son Dakota manages the shop Monday through uh, Friday. And uh, it's a family-owned business and a veteran-owned business. Ah, so, uh, there we go. That's good. That's good. That, That's uh, good. We've all, you never know, just like they say on Pawn Stars. I hate that show. Oh, uh, I like it's, it. <laughs> it, it. It's really, a, uh, those are some neat guys. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, it's scripted. We all know it's scripted. But still, uh, it still remains. You never know what's going to come through the door. And that I've, is the I've truth. I've seen some some stuff that I mean just uh, amazes me that uh, <laughs> sh- of all places shows up in Bridge City, Texas. <laughs> and I bet you probably every pawn shop operator will say the same thing. Pretty much, you just <laughs> never know what's going to come through the door. Uh, pieces of history walk in all the time. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and I'm sure some strange stuff does too. We've had some strange stuff. Yeah. But like, I never thought I would see a practically unused baby Browning 25. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the gun control like a 68 kind of killed those things off. Mm-hmm. But uh, we've had those come in. We've had just, I mean, pre-64 Winchesters, you name it. It's just, it, it's, a, it's a neat line of work to be in, and I really enjoy it. I, I love, it. you can't tell I love to talk. And so I get to talk to people every day that I'm in the shop. <laughs> and it's my shop, so I can talk as much as I want to. That's right. That's exactly right. Well, John, this was great. Thanks for the time. Excellent, excellent learning uh, material here. And uh, I just appreciate this. We, I, I know I've said this before. we got to do this again and not wait a year next time. We'll do it again next time. I'd, I'd like to uh, have you down here and, and – uh, uh, I wish it was a busy day in the shop. You could do a podcast on what you see come through the doors up there or, or the, uh, the customers, what the customers have to say about selecting their firearms or, hey, or learning about ammunition. Because, you know, uh, some of the best misinformation I've ever heard has come out of a gun shop. That's a good idea. The next time I get over towards Orange, Texas, let's set that up. I'll... Uh, I won't record any of your customers. That's not right, but I will No, probably, we, can't, actually, we, we cannot can't, do that. We cannot do that. That's not law, lawful. But we will. I we, we can we can kind of summarize after they leave the shop, can't now, we? Now, as far as, as the, the retail customers, you can talk to them. If they agree to talk to you, that's fine. But the, uh, the, the other customers, that's completely that's off limits. But that's, after, that's, they, uh, after they leave the store, we can kind of summarize what went on and, and what we saw, right? Uh, to, to, to some degree, like I said, uh, yeah. the Texas office of consumer credit is, is very finicky about, about, uh-huh. uh, people's privacy. And yeah. I know we got to wrap this up, but you know, uh, the guys that actually own, you know, Rick and everything that owned, uh, the pawn shop on, uh, pawn stars, they don't work that pawn shop anymore. Yeah, I know. They have employees to do that because it's a possibility that someone was in talking to them and someone snapped a picture or whatever else, it'd be a violation of their privacy. Mm, yeah. And, and so we kind of, we're very conscientious about our, our customers privacy. Um, and you know, we make sure that we, we stay with all the guidelines set forth by the state. Cause you know, I, I get inspected not just by, uh, the ATF, but also deal with the Texas office of consumer credit. 
You know, I think that we can probably do something and keep people's privacy respected. Oh yeah, I'm sure it we won't be it, it won't be an issue at all. Uh, said, but uh, anyway, we, well, we'd love to have you down, and we we'd have to go and get a steak. We'll do that. We'll do that, John. Thanks again for joining me once again. I appreciate it. Hey, Bob, I thoroughly enjoyed it as always. We'll have to do this again soon. We will. I forgot to mention something before I start the interview. John and I will be getting together to do a part two on this episode. Uh, We're going to do a part two, and we're also going to do an interview about this subject, Force on Force, also that will be on the Shooters Club. So I want to mention that if you are not a member of the Shooters Club, uh, join eight for $8 a month, $75 a year. It's one of the very few ways that I ask you to support this show. As you know, it's this is not a very commercial show. I rely on listener support from listeners like you. So for only $8 a month, you can access about 80 videos that Ben Branham and I have put together for $75 for a year membership. And we've also got good audio podcasts on there, even with Masada Yub. And I'm going to have John Payne on again. Roger Phillips is on there. Recently, Ben Branham and I talked about uh, solving problem number two, an extended version. So go to ShootersClubMembers.com. Again, a link will be in the show notes. That's ShootersClubMembers.com. And sign up for $8 a month or $75 a year. You'll get a unique access code password. And you can access all of the exclusive content. It's a great way to learn. It does not take the place of training. But you know what? It really helps reinforce or introduce you to new ideas and new things that maybe you haven't thought about before. So, if you want to take John Payne's AK rifle gunfighting class, it's October 26th and 27th in Houston, and there will be a link to the show notes. I took an AR-15 class a couple of years ago that John taught, and it was excellent. Very, very good. So I'm sure this AK, this AK class is also going to be just as good. And many of you also choose to support this show without spending any extra money. When you do your Amazon shopping, just go to my Amazon store at the Handgun World website, handgunworld.com. Click the Amazon store, then go to your Amazon account and make your purchases. And it helps me out a little bit because Amazon gives me a small little commission for the things that you purchase. And I appreciate that way. That when you do it that way, and last but not least, uh, many of you have been giving me iTunes reviews lately, and I really like those. So if you wouldn't mind taking the time to write a review, not just a rating, but if you'd write a review if you get this podcast on iTunes, even if you don't normally use iTunes, if you have an iTunes account, go over there and give the Handgun World podcast a rating and Whether it's good, bad, or even just a medium rating, I welcome them all because I'm always looking for ways to improve or keep doing what people would like for me to do and to say. So as I wrap this up, remember folks, evil does not exist in the holster. It exists in the hearts of men and women. So remember, read your Bible every day, stay grounded in the Word, shoot straight, shoot safe, and I'll talk to you August 1st. How can Goodbye. people be so blind?